Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be going through the first 10 verses tonight, Lord willing. Uh, Actually, Lord willing, the rapture happens tonight, right? But if not, hey, we'll go through this chapter, or yeah, the whole, just up to verse 10 tonight. Um, But just as you're turning there, Ephesians, uh, really the first three chapters is very, very doctrinal, and it's dealing with the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, chapters 4, 5, and 6 are, are really practical, They're dealing with really the duties that we have in Christ Jesus as believers, as the church. And this letter is, I love it because it's very uplifting. It's very encouraging. Uh, It's not a letter of rebuke. It's not a letter of a correction uh, to anybody or any problems. Paul is simply writing it to encourage the church and and, and just really in their faith that they have in Christ Jesus. So um, Paul had given this simple prayer to uh, for the church of Ephesus in chapter 1, if you guys remember, and not to show the church really what they needed, but really to show the church what they already had in Christ Jesus, right? And what did they had? have? They had it all, right? If you guys remember in chapter 1, verse 3, it, said, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly, heavenly places, but catch this, in Christ Jesus, right? So you guys have been given every spiritual blessing, but in Christ Jesus. That's the catch, right? And we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. So now we're going to turn from what we already have, which is every spiritual blessings in the heavenlies, right? Uh, but now to who... We are, right, as the church, as the body of Christ in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Uh, So let's go ahead and read chapter 2. It says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ." By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places and in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, what an encouragement already, right? It's like, oh, I love it. Um, So Paul talks about two things about who we are. And and really in the first three verses, verse 1, 2, and 3, we're... What? Who are we? Well, number one, we're dead. 
right? In verses 4 through 10, we see that we are alive or we're delivered. So we were rotten and now we are redeemed, right, in a sense. And uh, if you're taking notes, you need to understand that in verses 1, 2, and 3 really involve and revolve really around one thing, and that's God's grace, right? And and that's what Paul's talking about here, the grace of God, right? Grace, charis, mentioned 156 times in the New Testament, means unmerited favor, getting what we don't deserve, right? And and uh, and truly, there's a number of things we could think of that we don't deserve um, every day, I don't know about you, but I'm constantly thinking of God's grace and asking for more of God's grace. We went to Arizona, and uh, just every every little aspect of every little thing, I just saw God's grace. Just that was the key theme for me for the whole week. Um, even we got a rental car, right? Got a got a SUV. Um, you know, try to get the family in with all the luggage, and and I, and I saw the SUV, and I was like, oh man. Right after they, they gave me the whole rundown of trying to upgrade me and the insurance and all, I was like, I was like, no, we can't afford it. We're good. And but I, I look at the SUV and I was like, oh, how are we going to do this? And I tell the the greeter guy out there in, in the parking lot, I was like, hey, is it possible to be upgraded to a, a van by any chance? Because of all this stuff we got. And and uh, he's all, yeah, I could do it. And I was like, yeah, but how much? And he's all, I'll do it for free. You got it. I was like, what? The guy inside was trying to give it to me for like 600 more dollars. And so I was like, wow, God's grace, right? Um, And every day when you wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, God's grace, right? He allowed us to wake up. Um, And I could go on forever and ever, but it's just, it's all, it's amazing. Um, But we want to break up our study today in two sections, right? Why we need God's grace, that's going to be in verses 1, 2, and 3. And also, what is involved in God's grace? That's in verses 4 through 10. Uh, Let's start with the first section here. Why do you and I need God's grace? Obviously, there's a number of reasons why, right? Uh, But Paul's going to give us three specific reasons why we need God's grace in verses 1, 2, and 3. The first reason is we need his grace because of death. Because of death. Look at verse 1. It says, And you he made, and you, speaking of the church, right? He, he, Jesus, made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So notice, by the way, he made um, alive is actually in italics. It's not there in the original Greek manuscript. So in the original, it says, let's read it again. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. And by the way, notice the word were. You were dead in trespasses and sins. So we need his grace because we were dead spiritually. And and, and uh, speaking, obviously, we're not dead today physically, right? So spiritually. But the reason we were dead in verse 1 is really twofold. It's because of trespasses and sin, right? So um, trespasses and sin is different, although they're closely related. In Leviticus chapter 5, a trespass is really, um, it's something that is intentional, right? So when we know something is sin before God, and we still do it, right? Uh, So stepping over the line, if you will, it's, it's almost like a um, the other night, where my son, for some reason, I don't know why, 
but I, I give them food. It takes me like an hour to make all this food, right? Just spaghetti. I, I like grilled the chicken and shredded it and everything. And it's all separated. And I finally put it all together. And I'm like, here you go. I can't. You're going to just, you know, I'm waiting for him just to devour it. And he's like, I don't want it. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't want it? Eat your food, right? I'm sure your parents have been through that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, don't eat your food. And then all of a sudden, what does he do? Oh, no, no. oh this is good. Oh, that's all it took. Don't do it. And he's going to do it. Ugh. But so that's like a trespass, right? It's doing something you know that you shouldn't be doing, um, like breaking the law. Leviticus chapter 4 describes what sin is. Sin is more of unintentional, right? So it's like, oh man, I didn't realize I did that. I'm so sorry. I didn't think of the future impact that my sin would have. And, and either way, whatever the case, sin trespasses it's still both of them are going to lead to um, eternal separation right spiritual death we we can say and so all of us us prior to our spiritual regeneration um, we're spiritually dead and David tells us in Psalm 51 verse 5 he says behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me so I don't know about you, but my kids were definitely born sinners. <laughs> man, where did they come up with that word no? It's like, man, before you can even say dada, it was like, no, how did that happen? But the, it, we were born in sin. And, and, the, and the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, um, if you're not born again, you're spiritually dead. And And so... The Bible says we're born into sin, and it came as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, Adam, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And Romans 3.23, you guys know this, right? And for all have sinned and fallen short, of the glory of God. And, and that's the standard. We ought to be perfect as he is perfect, right? We, we ought to stand perfect in the presence of his glory. And we know in Romans 3.10 that there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says there's none that is good, right? Uh, we know that Jeremiah says our hearts are deceitful above all things. Who could know it, right? That's, it's, 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 ugh, it's exceedingly wicked. So the problem is that you and I were born spiritually dead, really the moment we were born. And this means you and I are separated from the Lord. And so there's a division between you and I, or you, you and the church, right? Or the church, I'm sorry, the church, and I'm getting this picture in my head. Like there's that gulf, right? I don't know if you guys have seen that picture, but here's us, and here's the gulf, right? And, and then here's the cross. Here's where the Lord is. And in order to get across, it's you got to literally pass through the cross to get to the other side. And, and it's only through Jesus going through what who he is and what he's done for us that we can come to Christ, right? But really, it's him that's done all the work for us. And it's we'll, we'll go on a little more about that. But um, Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, 
that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Habakkuk 1.13 says, You are of purer eyes than to behold evil, and cannot look on wickedness. The word behold means to embrace or to accept, right? And God sees us every day, but he cannot embrace our compromise. He cannot embrace or, or, uh, or give, a, you know, just our, our sin because sin separates us from the Lord. And so the problem, again, is that we're dead, and so we can't respond to the Lord, right? What a scary place that is. Have you guys ever thought of it? Really think about it. You're, most of you guys in here, a Wednesday night, and most of you guys are mature. That's why you're here, right? Because you want to grow more in, in, the, in the Word of God. And actually, I, I put this study together geared towards you instead of the, the, the non-believer. On Sundays, I'm more like, you know, I see people I don't know. I'm going to give the gospel, right? But um, really, just imagine us as the church, myself included, imagine all of your prayers not even reaching the Lord, Imagine all that you've done, all the church that you've gone to, the the prayer, the reading, the seeking the Lord, the giving, all the service that you've offered to the Lord. Imagine hearing when you die, I don't know you. Get away from me. I don't know who you are. Wow. Would that be scary? Would that be terrifying? But Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name, but I didn't know you. Why? What how can how can somebody come to a church, biblical, verse-by-verse, doctrinal church, and still come before the Lord, and the Lord say, I don't know you. That is a scary place to be in, right? And so these verses that I just read, it's those who are literally embracing their sin. Those who are not putting walls and barriers and making it hard to sin. Those that are allowing it, it just pops in and they go for it, right? Um, And it's a scary place to be in. It's something I would not want to be in um but because we we are dead and by the way dead dead people can't they can't respond to the lord obviously because they're dead right i think of uh well some people can vote still i don't know how that's possible that's a whole nother story right but um but you and i are the that way spiritually right we don't have the capacity really to respond to the Lord, and because we're dead, and that's why we need his grace, which draws us near to him, right, into a close and personal relationship with him. So, um, and I love that. So let's come to the second um, part here. We, we need God's grace not only because of death, but secondly, because of disobedience. And, and notice in verse 2, It says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And by the way, the course of this world, speaking of uh, according to the ways of this world, right? The the acts, the actions, right, of this world. uh, And the air, speaking of the spiritual realm. And and, uh, why do we need God's grace? Well, because of disobedience, right? Prior to becoming born again, or that big word, regeneration, uh, we were not only spiritually dead, but we were spiritually disobedience to the Lord. And this disobedience is really a matter of choice. We chose to be in, 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 in uh, war against the Lord. And why? Because we're living in light of spirit, 
the spirit of disobedience, right? And, and you see, prior to salvation, you and I have been ruled and really reigning with Satan. Satan's the god of this world, if you will. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says he's the god of this age. And whether you know it, like it, understand it or not, he is really, um, when God created the world, let's, let's rewind all the way to the beginning, right? Um, God gave Adam and Eve the, the garden, right, to tend to, the world, really, to, to take care of, and they forfeited the title deed, if you will, to the earth, and where did it go? Well, when Satan was uh, tempting Jesus, remember, 40 days and 40 nights, he's, he's fasting, seeking the Lord, and at the very end, at his weakest point, Satan comes and tempts him, brings him up to the top, right, shows him the nation, says, I'll give you this, you just bow down to me. How could he give him it if he if it didn't belong to him? Obviously, it belonged to him. It, it was given to him, right? We forfeited that title deed, if you will. And obviously, in Revelation, we see in the end, it's it's all it's all to back to the Lord. He he. It's a whole other study. But anyways, um, there's a lot of people today that they they look good, they dress well, they they're very you know have a a good manners and, and everything about them, but they don't realize that they are being swayed by the, the, the God of this age. The, 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 the enemy really has got them where he wants them and he keeps them distracted from going any further in their walk with the Lord, right? He'll, he'll take you anywhere. He'll bless you according to your mindset, right? Yeah, he'll give you what you want and he literally will. But as long as you don't come to the Lord, and, and it's a scary thing, but um, it's, it's just very scary that people are ruled and reigned by Satan. And, and, uh, but I think, I think of the church of Laodicea in Revelation. They had it all. They were very wealthy. They were very prominent. If you guys know Laodicea, if you look at the, the history of the city itself, um, back in the day, if you look at um, what happened back then, it was the earthquakes, the big earthquake happened, and uh, all the cities around there got destroyed, right, the big libraries and the big um, buildings and whatnot, and all the cities were backed up by Rome, and Laodicea is the only one that said, hey, we don't, that's okay, we don't need your money, we got it, right, because they were the wealthiest of all of them, they were able to, to pay for their own rebuilding, back in the day. So anyways, I'm a history guy, so I, I could get all caught up in all that. But um, they had, you know, hospitals, schools, libraries, they had theaters, they had, they had it all. And, and uh, they had more than all the other six other churches addressed there in Revelation. But in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus says to this church, he, he says, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They didn't even know it. There was an emptiness, if you will, within their heart, right? And Romans chapter 8, verse 20, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So in other words, you and I were created with that void in our hearts, right? And Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says, uh, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Guys, we have eternity placed in our hearts before we even knew the Lord. We were 
trying to fill that void, if you will, that emptiness. And we were looking to, what, relationships, uh, money, cars, what you name it, right? Material things. People are running after every little thing they can probably, you know, try to, to, to fill that void in their hearts. But God put that there for a very specific reason because he created you you're his (laughs) you were made for him and it was until you came to him that you realized that fulfillment right and it's by his grace and so how many people today they think they have it all together there's a whole bunch of them and 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 they're having a wonderful life yet they're being controlled by satan and they have no clue about it right but there's one reason um, we need God's grace, and I think that's a, a simple reason enough, right? Uh, because of the enemy that's out there. Third, uh, back to Ephesians right here, we also need his grace because of desire. Desire. No, notice in verse 3, it says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others right so notice the pronouns pronouns are changed from you to now we right so we once conducted ourselves so we are not doing it anymore basically right so we need God's grace because of desires because of our actions right Uh, the desires of attitude as well but in verse 3 he talks about the desires of the flesh And so prior to being born again, we were spiritually dead, we were spiritually disobedient, and also um, because we we were separated from the Lord, right? So now we're being ruled and reigned by the power uh, of this, the air, right? Speaking of Satan, and, and now we're living to fulfill the desires of our flesh, the desires of, well, really the natural mind, right? Whatever the mind is thinking, you guys remember, is there anything good in us? No, nothing good in our hearts. So what's naturally going to come in our minds throughout the day? Especially not knowing the Lord. If Christ is not in our hearts, then we're going to abide, according to the world, the the, the ungodly. They're constantly craving and thinking, and their passion is really to do evil every day. They can't even sleep unless they get some kind of, you know, evil uh, thing going on. It's a scary, scary world that we live in, but... Um, what, and obviously what you feed becomes stronger, right? So we gotta, we can't, we, we gotta kill the flesh in a sense, right? Kill those thoughts. When those thoughts enter in, what are we doing to stop those thoughts? What are we doing to control our own mind, right? How, how can we control uh, a captain, uh, can control the airplane, control uh, 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 the, the ship on the ocean, right? Uh, but can we control our own mindset, right? When thoughts come in, what are we doing to shut those thoughts down? Because those thoughts can start to, you know, come out now. And that's where sin abounds. And so we got to protect our mindset. That's, our, that's where the enemy's attacking, right? He's not attacking anywhere else but your mind. And so that's what he's after. So by nature, we, according to verse 3, were children of wrath. That's scary. Um, Galatians chapter 6, in verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 
For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So why do you and I need God's grace? Well, because of death, because of disobedience, and because of desire. We need, we need God's grace. By the way, what a record that's against us. Did you guys catch this? Dead in sin... Influenced by Satan, controlled by lust, and under God's wrath. That's pretty intense. Uh, and by the way, note in verse 2, you got the world in verse 2, you got the devil at the end of verse 2, and you got the flesh in verse 3. All those three are your enemy if you're a believer in Christ Jesus. Those three want to see you not succeed in your walk with the Lord, but want to bring you down, want to tear you apart and rip you apart into shreds. That's the idea uh, of these three enemies that we have, and we need God's grace really to combat against that. Um, Let's come to the second half here. What is involved in God's grace? Well, in verses 4 through 10, uh, Paul's going to give us six things really to answer this question. What's really involved in God's grace? Well, it starts with a huge contrast. Paul said in verse 4, he said, but God. And all of a sudden, what happened? The lights come on, right? And, and, and uh, it, it goes from death to life all of a sudden. So now all of a sudden, Paul switches from who you are, right, and, and, and what you are, um, and to God. And everything just changes. And God restores. God fixes it all. And I don't know about you guys, but amen. Hallelujah to that. <laughs> that God's doing the work, right? Because that, that thrills me. I'm a rotten sinner. I, I just, I need God's grace in my life, right? Because um, we've, we've all fallen short of God's glory. And so let's start with the first thing here. It's mercy and love in verse 4. Mercy and love. Notice in verse 4 it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Uh, Mercy is used 341 times in the New Testament, meaning uh, means having held back that which I deserve. Right? Having held back that which I... What do we deserve? Hell, fire, brimstone, damnation, eternal separation from God, you name it, I could keep going, etc., right? But judgment means getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, right? Unmerited faith. So Paul told us at the end of verse 3, we were children of wrath, and we deserve punishment. Damn, you, you can keep going down the list there, right? But prior to coming to Christ, no matter how wonderful we were, we all deserved God's wrath. And prior to coming to Christ, since we rejected him as Lord and Savior of our lives, uh, because of God's great mercy toward you and I, now we're transformed. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this whole study, I've been like, oh, oh. You're killing me, right? I already feel miserable. Now I feel worse. Thanks a lot. But it's good to know where we came from. Right, church? I mean, isn't it so easy to to forget where we came from and get distracted and think life is good and we get going with everything and then we we forget about God's grace. We forget about God's mercy toward us and how much we need to be dependent on the Lord, right? And and note, by the way, in verse 4, it says, which he loved us. You guys remember in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, it says God is love, right? But which he loved us, which is past tense. That's something that has happened in the, in the past at some point in, in time. And so 
something did happen. When did God demonstrate his love toward humankind, right? The human being um, in any time in past when was it? It was at the cross, wasn't it? Right At the cross, when Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I, at that moment, John 15, verse 13, it says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. This is speaking of that unconditional, that agape, not a conditional love, but unconditional love. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for me because I'm so good, right? He died because of his love for me, for you. And at 1 John 4.10, it says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So I can't understand this love that he has for me, but that's grace, right? And this love that he has and who he is, it's just who he is, by the way. Do you guys know that? You could be the worst Christian of all time, and yet God still is going to come to you. And and what is he going to do? He's still going to love you. How is that possible? Well, he's love. That's who God is. That's what he does. He's love, right? And guess what? For all eternity, God is going to continue to show his love. And we'll get to that. It's, it's, it's just it's amazing. But turn to Titus. Titus chapter 3. Um, Titus chapter 3. I'm saved because of God's love for me, right? I'm not saved because of my great faith, my great love, my, great, uh, my works, or anything that I can do for the Lord, right? Um, it's based on the mercy through God's love for you and I. Um, Titus chapter 3. Look at verse 4. It says, But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration through the, and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So, man, what a blessing that is, right? Um, aren't you guys glad that salvation is not based on your performance? <laughs> Son, Lord, thank you for that, right? It's based on his performance, right? Not anything that we can do or, or are or can become, Right, And it's sad to say there's a lot of people that say, Lord, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you up, Lord. I'm, I'm going to make you proud of me. And you just wait and see what I'll become for you. And let me go and I'm going to, you know, yikes. That's like, ugh, right? I can see God doing one of those. <laughs> we, we need God to do his work in us. It's not about us doing anything necessarily for him in the flesh, in what our own mind, our own strength, because it's his spirit in us that he wants to, to accomplish through us. And, and uh, what a blessing that is. But um, let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians 2, um, let the second thing is life itself in verse 5. Number one was mercy, but number two is life itself. It's, it's Uh, Look at verse 5. It says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Right? So 
Um, it's God's grace that made us alive and that has given us life, right? Get the picture. It involves life. It, you and I previously, we were dead. We were in the grave. We were hopeless. We were helpless, right? And we couldn't respond to God. We couldn't do anything before God in and of our own flesh. Because, because of his grace, you and I have been resurrected from the dead and we have been made alive. We've been given new life in Christ Jesus. But understand this, Christian, you and I have been given a resurrected life, right? John 10, 10, what does it say? The thief doesn't come but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, what I have come, that you may have life, and that more abundantly. So we have an abundant, guys, that's why we walk around with a smile on our face. That's why you probably hear it all the time. Why? Oh man, that guy's always smiling. That guy's always happy. Why? Because we have grace in our lives. We have life, right? We, we're full of abundance because of Christ Jesus. The more you get in the word, the more your faith is being increased, right? And, and it's just, you can't help but be excited, right? I'm on the road driving and I'm listening to worship music. Now I'm just, I'm laughing and having a blast. People are looking at me like, what? <laughs> whoa, whoa, right? It's, it, I don't care, right? Just let your light shine, man. Be who you are in Christ Jesus. But we have an abundant life in Christ Jesus. And um, because of that, we also have a mission, right? We want other Others to see that light, be attracted to it, and they are, and they will. But you want to, we want to send them to, to the Lord, right? Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, whether it's your family, whether it's your neighbors, whoever it might be, our goal is to bring them to Jesus, right? And that's our, our life mission. But let's come to the third thing here. Uh, involve, what's the third thing involved in God's grace? What's well, exaltation? Exaltation, verse six. Notice it says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By the way, the, the word places is in italics, so it's not there in the original Greek context, right? Uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 20, um, oh, I don't got it up there, but it says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So because Jesus Christ is exalted and seated at the right hand of the Father, it guarantees our exaltation as well. First um, Corinthians 15, right? Speaking of our resurrection, right? Uh, uh, from the dead. It also can be speaking of our position in Christ Jesus. So practically, Right now, you and I are here on earth, but positionally, where are we? We are already seated at the right hand of the Father, right? We're, we're seated with Christ. We're in the heavenlies. It's something that's already happened. Read Romans chapter 8 on your own, but we're already glorified. The moment we were justified, the moment we were sanctified, the moment we were born again, we came to Christ Jesus, we're already, in God's eyes, we're there. He's outside of our time and space uh, realm, if you will, isn't that cool to think of? It, like, it's already been done, guys. It, the, the, the end of the book's already been said. He's the Alpha of the Omega. He's already been worshipped and praised. We've already bowed our faces, and, and it's been done. Right now, then you rewind, back to earth, right? And here we are sitting right now, and we're hearing God's word, and, and we're on a mission field. Isn't that great? And how long till then, until our life goes before the Lord, 
uh, however long that is, I want to leave a legacy. I don't know about you guys, but I want, when anybody that sees me, I want them to say Jesus, right? That's all that they see in me is I want to see, uh, just, I want them to see Jesus. And, and I, I hope that's the same for us. But, um, so, um, you and I need to live our lives every day of every moment, right, in Christ Jesus and asking for that grace that he has in our life. Uh, but notice in verse 6 in the middle, it does not say that we're seated in the heavenlies with Christ. Rather, we are in Christ Jesus. So that changes everything. So you and I can live in Christ, right, because in his power, in his strength, in his authority, in his victory, right, in his, uh, you could go on the list over and over. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation that old has passed away, right? Behold, all things become new. But notice it's in Christ Jesus. We have seen uh, what we have in Christ, and that's what? In, in chapter 1, verse 3, it's every spiritual blessing. And now we see who we are in Christ, and don't ever take that lightly, guys. Being in Christ means that you are victorious. You're a victorious Christian. And, and this blesses me to realize that through all the trouble that I go through in life, and that's a lot. Um, that, um, that, that God is in complete control. He knows all things. He knows what he's doing. And, and I love that about the Lord. And I could just rest in him. Um, turn, by the way, turn, speaking of Ephesians 1, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 3 again, just for the sake of it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, not uh, with, right, but you're in. Everything that we have is activated, is our access is in Christ Jesus. So positionally, this is very important, not only for the our eternal perspective, obviously, but uh, our temporal position right now, for the here and now. Realize that when everything that we need everything that we have is in Christ Jesus and that is just man it's the the heavenly gates just open up right we have everything that we need that's I'm gonna I'm gonna say that one for later right there's a whole bunch about what we have in Christ Jesus but we have everything that we need but uh, if you want to be in Christ you got it all if you want to be out of Christ you have nothing okay as a believer we're, we're nothing without Christ and we're, I was just teaching the kids uh, like two weeks ago, we had a little flashlight, and and a flashlight is a beautiful thing. It's created, it's molded, it's everything. It's got everything going for it. But without the battery supply, it's worthless. It doesn't do what it was created for. And it's the same for us. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're we're there's no purpose in our lives. We're good for nothing, but to be thrown out to the fire, I guess. Right? And it's a, it's very interesting, but. Um, let's come to the fourth thing involved in the grace of God. It is enlightenment. Um, verse, look, look at verse 7. It says, That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in, there's our N word again, 
Christ Jesus. So please notice this verse very carefully, church. In the ages to come, the periods uh, of time, forever and ever, in the 15 billion years from now, right? The ages. What, what is involved in God's grace? Well, it's enlightenment. Then how complicated um, people make it, right? But it's so simple, but yet it's so amazing at the same time. Um, and and uh, I think of just hearing this, some of you guys are in awe, like I am, like, whoa, right? It's one of my favorite verses. If I've caught you guys just walking around, I'll probably open that up to one of you guys and be like, did you guys check this out? Look at, look at Ephesians 2, 7. Isn't that amazing? And I just, I'm just still in awe and shock. But there's some people that come to church and they're like, oh, they're teaching through Ephesians. Ah, I've already been through Ephesians. Done that. I'll go somewhere else. I'll go to another church. I've been there, done that. Or I've heard this message about grace. I don't want to hear this anymore. Right? And we come, uh, become um, complacent right? in, our, in our Christian walk with the Lord. And that's very, very dangerous. But the older we get in our walks with the Lord, uh, it's easy. It's a temptation to fall into complacency. And we got to be very, very careful uh, because all of a sudden God's grace be- becomes the norm all of a sudden, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, God shows his grace all the time. And, and, and it becomes something we heard about and we just don't think much about anymore. And, and then we go on thinking all of a sudden life is about us, right? And then all of a sudden we're performing for God and it just changes everything. But we got to come back to the basics, right? Grace, God's Riches at Christ's expense, right? I love that acronym right there. But uh, according to verse 7, realize when you and I receive our glorified bodies in heaven uh, with Christ in ages to come, you and I will be constantly, continually uh, learning about the riches of God's grace. What makes us think that we got it all narrowed down today, right? What makes us think we, we got it? We don't got it. In fact, in a billion years from now, we still won't have it. Isn't that amazing? Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. But um, John 1, verse 16, it says, And of his fullness, Jesus, of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. And the Greek, right, is, is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It's endless supply of God's grace in our lives. Uh, back to Ephesians. The fifth thing involved in grace in the grace of God is salvation itself. Notice in verse 8. It says, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So the gift of God is obviously speaking here in the context about what? Salvation, right? So grace and faith are no doubt their gifts that have been given to us. And Hebrews chapter 12 uh, verse 2 tells us that Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so faith is something we get freely. And by the way, did you guys know uh, everybody has faith? You guys had faith when you walked in here. You just sat on that pew like it was going to hold you and, and it wasn't going to fall apart, right? How would you know that pew wasn't going to go, right? And you're going to fall on your face. You didn't even think of it. You had faith just walking in this place just earlier today, right? Isn't that amazing? But So the question is, where are you placing that faith? We ought to be placing our faith in Christ Jesus, our confidence. Everything that we have is in Jesus. So um, because of uh, it's God's grace, really, it's... 
that we need, right, that saves us. And, and uh, we're not saved by faith alone or our love or our own good efforts or we can't even produce salvation in and of ourselves. And you guys know this, so I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fly through this part. But for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So faith is the vehicle by which we drive to get God's grace, right? With, with, and it's the arm uh, that reaches out that we receive God's grace, if you will. So this word saved in the Greek is in the perfect tense, by the way. It indicates an action that happened in some point in time past that never has to happen again. Yet the results continue on and on into the future. And so it also is in the passive voice, and we received the action. We didn't initiate the action. We simply received it, right? And so you and I are eternally secure as the body of Christ, as the church, right? And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 28, he says, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand, Jesus says. So in Jude, Pastor Tim, he just mentioned, he ended the, the, the study on Sunday with this verse and I love it. I was like, ah, oh, this is my verse. Uh, he's going to be teaching again this Sunday, too. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was blessed from that study. But it says in Jude 24, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That alone, I'm done, right? He's able to keep us from stumbling. He holds us up, right? And to present us faultless before his presence. I mean, okay, I thought I was done with the beginning part, but right here, oh, to present you, just think, consider that. You're going to be presented before the king faultless. <sighs> Me? <laughs> Lord, I sure got you. No, that's not anything like that. It's him who's got us, right? He presents us faultless. Why? Because he's, he's, his blood has purchased us. His righteousness is accounted to our account. And now, now we can come before him with exceeding joy, right? To God who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. So this is the eternal life that we're talking about, that God Almighty sent his son into the world and, and, uh, in the flesh, really, to die upon uh, the cross and three days later rise again that we might have life, that we might have a relationship with him. And Paul makes it very clear in verse 8 that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, right? And you see, we must be saved by grace alone. If you're saved by works alone, then it's all about your performance all of a sudden, right? And we know in verse 9 that that's not the case. Verse 9, you see, you can't, you can't take any credit for it. And we can't say, I'm better than you because I go to church more than you, or I've knocked on so many doors more than you have, or we can't say any of that dumb stuff, right? All we can say is, I'm here by grace alone, right? By faith alone in Christ alone. It's, it's all about Jesus, and that's where we worship him. Um, and so it's not about what we can do for the Lord. And in fact, the only thing we can do is probably what? Just be broken and on our faces, right? And humble before the presence of our king. That's, that's the place I want to be found when I get to heaven. Lord, boosh. <laughs> I'm on my face. I'm unworthy. And, and uh, amen to that. Um, let's come to the last thing here. It's, it involves his workmanship. His workmanship. Notice in verse 10, 
Uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his poem. That's what it means in the Greek, workmanship. This word is only used twice in the New Testament. Uh, Once here and again in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, speaking of God's creation. And so like any other artist, right, they love to to just demonstrate their artwork to everybody. They love to just boast about it. And and, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, he created us. We're his workmanship. He wants to display us, right? And, and that's his desire that the world would read us, right? That we would be the light to the world. And so God works don't save us. Uh, the, um, good works, I'm sorry. Did I say God work? I just want to talk about God, right? And just push, comes out. But we're, we're saved on to good works, right? You guys remember in James uh, chapter 2, verse 20, faith without works is what? It's dead. And so you're, you say you're saved, but let me say, see it by your actions, James would say. And so if we're truly born again, we understand we are his workmanship and we're not our own, right? We were created for Christ for good works. And we don't do good works because we, you know, to be saved, but because we are saved. And understand all of that comes by the grace of God, right? It's the grace of God that sustains us. It's the grace of God that saves us. It's the grace of God, you know, from start to finish. I could just keep going and going, but his grace um, enables and empowers us for this life that we have, this mission field that you and I have. It's by God's grace, right? So before you guys see somebody and you're about to open up to them about the gospel, ask for God's grace. Before you guys wake up and start going about your day, ask for God's grace. Before you lie down to go to bed, ask for God's grace, right? Make that a part of your prayer in your heart's prayer because we need it like crazy, right? Because what you're saying is, Lord, we're not sufficient. I, I, I don't have what I need. And what I need is you. And the gift you've given me is your grace. And I need that. I need more of it. So are you guys with me on that? We need God's grace. In fact, let's stand. Let's, let's, uh, let's ask for more of God's grace. Um, that's what we're created for the Lord. And, and uh, it's just so cool when we enter in to his presence. Isn't that cool? Right now, when we all pray, we're all going to be standing before the throne room of God, right? There's the, the thunderings and the lightnings. There's the four living creatures. There's the 24 elders. There's all this stuff happening, and it's almost like a pause. All of that just pauses, and all of a sudden, it's God's, he's just listening. He's looking at us, and he's, his heart is just going out for it. It's just like, Lord, oh, there's power in prayer. So let's, let's pray, guys. Um, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, uh, oh, about your grace, Lord, that you've given us, the gift of grace in our lives, the mercy that you poured out on us. Uh, Lord, we, what else can we say but thank you, and that you are holy, and uh, Lord, all glory goes to you, Lord. We thank you for the salvation that you've given us, and uh, Lord, we pray that we don't take it for granted, Father, that we would not have a gift just to ourselves, but that we would share it with others, Lord, that we would be open uh, to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers uh, about really the, the new life that you've given us and the new life that you can give them, and it's all for free, and I just thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. 
um, for the work that you're doing in your church. And I pray that you would continue to glorify yourself and that you would continue to uh, just pour out your grace, Lord, upon our hearts. As we go out tonight, uh, I pray that we would be, go out rejoicing, Lord, and just uh, more in love with you, Lord, uh, and just thankful for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That's, that's the place I want to be found when I get to heaven. Lord, boosh. <laughs> I'm on my face. I'm unworthy. And, and uh, amen to that. Um, let's come to the last thing here. It's, it involves his workmanship. His workmanship. Notice in verse 10, uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his poem. That's what it means in the Greek, workmanship. This word is only used twice in the New Testament. Uh, once here and again in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, speaking of God's creation. And so like any other artist, right, they love to, to just demonstrate their artwork to everybody. They love to just boast about it. And, and uh, Jesus Christ, he created us. We're his workmanship. He wants to display us, right? And, and that's his desire that the world would read us, right? That we would be the light to the world. And so God works don't save us. Uh, the um, Good works. I'm sorry. I said God works. I just want to talk about God, right? And just push, comes out. But we're, we're saved on to good works, right? You guys remember in James uh, chapter 2, verse 20, faith without works is what? It's dead. And so you're, you say you're saved, but let me say, see it by your actions, James would say. And so if we're truly born again, we understand we are his workmanship and we're not our own, right? We were created for Christ for good works. And we don't do good works because we, you know, to be saved, but because we are saved. And understand all of that comes by the grace of God, right? It's the grace of God that sustains us. It's the grace of God that saves us. It's the grace of God, you know, from start to finish. I could just keep going and going, but his grace... Um, enables us, empowers us for this life that we have, this mission field that you and I have. It's by God's grace, right? So before you guys see somebody and you're about to open up to them about the gospel, ask for God's grace. Before you guys wake up and start going about your day, ask for God's grace. Before you lie down to go to bed, ask for God's grace, right? Make that a part of your prayer, in your heart's prayer, because we need it like crazy, Right, because what you're saying is, Lord, we're not sufficient. I, I I don't have what I need, and what I need is you, and the gift you've given me is your grace, and I need that. I need more of it. So, are you guys with me on that? We need God's grace. In fact, let's stand. Let's let's uh, let's ask for more of God's grace. Um, that's what we're created for, the Lord, and and uh, it's just so cool when we enter in to His presence. Isn't that cool? Right now, when we all pray. We're all going to be standing before the throne room of God, right? There's the, the thunderings and the lightnings. There's the four living creatures. There's the 24 elders. There's all this stuff happening, and it's almost like a pause. All of that just pauses, and all of a sudden, it's God's, he's just listening. He's looking at us, and he's, his heart is just going out for it. It's just like, Lord, oh, there's power in prayer. So let's, let's pray, guys. Um, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, uh, oh, about your grace, Lord, that you've given us, the gift of grace in our lives, the mercy that you poured out on us. Uh, Lord, we, what else can we say but thank you, and that you are holy, 
And uh, Lord, all glory goes to you, Lord. We thank you for the salvation that you've given us. And uh, Lord, we pray that we don't take it for granted, Father, that we would not have a gift just to ourselves, but that we would share it with others, Lord, that we would be open uh, to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers uh, about really the, the new life that you've given us and the new life that you can give them. And it's all for free. And I just thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Um, for the work that you're doing in your church. And I pray that you would continue to glorify yourself and that you would continue to uh, just pour out your grace, Lord, upon our hearts. As we go out tonight, uh, I pray that we would be, go out rejoicing, Lord, and just uh, more in love with you, Lord, uh, and just thankful for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.